Today is Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. I have to get used to that 2021 year. We're just a couple of or three days into that. Uh, this is the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon, and uh, I'm here with Suzanne Thomas, recently elected member of the Hamilton Southeastern School Board. And uh, welcome very much, Suzanne Thomas. It's good to talk to you. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate you having me on today. Happy New Year to you and, of course, and to all your listeners. Well, same to you and, and your family, and, and I extend the same. Uh, I will not pretend to be anywhere as good as Casey Alexander, who did the <laughs> interview with you uh, during the campaign. I was uh, busy uh, visiting my new grandson out in South Dakota, so I uh, I knew I wasn't going to be available to do all the— and there were 11 candidates for all the elections. That was going to be a big job. So though Casey and his— his sister uh, Izzy handled that for me, which I still very much appreciate. So I don't think I'll, I'll have that. I thought he did. A, he and his sister did a great job. But, they did uh, a fantastic job. I, uh, it was great to listen to the different podcasts. They did a wonderful job. Well, I think running for any office is hard work. You know, I, I admire anyone who runs for office. Of course, you don't always win. You were able to win. You, in fact, you had five different candidates in Fall Creek Township, so it was a large number of candidates. But uh, you won by by a pretty good margin, handily. So, I'd like to start this off by just you know, talk about the campaign. Was it what you expected, or did you expect anything in terms of of the election campaign for school board? Well, um, actually, you know, running for the campaign in the very beginning when I had thoughts and, and talked to my family, I, I wasn't prepared or did not realize what it was going to take. And um, as I got started, um, like I said, I, I've been a realtor for 22 years and I know marketing and advertising is so important. So I kind of the campaign along the same lines as I need to market and put myself out there. I was um, very much um, excited about doing the campaign and getting involved uh, for the school board. So a little heart and passion was involved as well. And I was very blessed to have four kids in my life over the years that I feel about every 10th, to 12th person I would run into, I worked the polls a lot. And I think that was the biggest part of my campaign. I felt uh, about every 10th, 12th, 13th person I run into would be like, hey, are Coach Thomas, you coached me in basketball. Or, hey, I know your daughter Cassidy from cheerleading. Or, oh, my goodness, you were the best sub I had. Or we had you in high school. So being a, a, a resident and involved in HSC schools for you know over 20 years, I've been very, very blessed to be involved in many areas of the school. So people I didn't even know but knew me somehow it, it was it was wonderful to be part of it so that just that helped as well with the campaign and then like i said the support of family and friends i must tell you that uh, before i got into all this uh, work that i'm doing now I was probably best known as allison and mary's dad my twin daughters and of course my <laughs> wife jane's husband because she was active in right. school affairs and did a lot of volunteer work and that sort of thing and uh, yeah it it is amazing what a net you can cast just and you have four so that certainly uh, is a wider net that one would cast as you enter the school board um let's face it covid is the biggest issue for our school district certainly in indiana all school districts and i would argue many places around the country you're going to be sworn in on january 13th at that wednesday evening uh, meeting and on january 13th you'll be sworn in you'll be asked to to vote because you're thrust into a major decision on what to do about virtual versus in-person learning. Um, there's uh, the authority for the virtual-only uh, education ends on, on January 15th. So the board with new three new members, 
I call it the new board because there are three new members on. It's a different makeup. Uh, they're going to have to make a decision along with the four uh, board members that are holdovers. So as you enter that decision, and, and I'm sure you've been following things as a, as a school board member elect, how will you go about considering any options presented to you, recommendations that will be brought forward by the school administrators at that January 13th meeting? Well, here's the good thing. There, there's a lot of science out there. There's a lot of information that's out there. Um, the one thing that I've seen consistently with everything that's out there, whether you're somebody that is a strong person about keeping students and people home or whether you're someone who feels they students need to go back to school, the one thing that seems to be remain constant is the best education for our students is in a classroom with their teachers. So we, we do have a, a pretty unique situation where um, the Fisher's Health Department has given us information. But if you look at the whole, um, you know, nationally, through our county, through our state, um, it really is the, I'm hoping that it stays in this line, that our students get to go back to school, but primarily that they have a choice. I think when um, HSC really would like to promote equity, I think this is a big part of it, is that not only do we have the choice for our students to be virtual and be virtual learners, but we have the choice for our students to also be in school. And, and through some of the information I've received so far as a school board elect getting ready to um, take a seat on the board, um, it is nice to see that our admin right now, our administration is working on a strong plan um, for in-person schooling. What that actually will be on January 13th, we still have a little bit of time here to research some of these surveys that went out. That is uh, public information, as you know, that there was a survey that went out to, you know, see what um, our, our community is doing as far as virtual learning. And if that still shows that um, many are choosing virtual, especially at the high school level, I know there's varsity athletes, there's students that do very well um, independently, kind of in the block learning and preparing for college, that virtual learning for them is an okay situation. But we have a ton, a ton, a ton of students that really would like to be in school. And I think if we have the numbers the way we need them to be, um, that will give us smaller class sizes. Plus, we have a dynamic, wonderful school district that takes um, great uh, precautions and safety and protocol that I still think there will be a strong, um, positive way we can get our kids back in school. So ideally, I would love to see pre-K through 12 open those doors 100% with precautions in mind and ready to go. And same with our teachers, taking care of our teachers as well. Well, so that brings up I another... I think it's important to have a choice. Yeah, that brings up another issue because, uh, as you well know, there had been in-person classes for the lower grades, uh, and that had to end mainly because there were not enough substitute teachers to fill the classrooms, have an adult in the classrooms, and that was after the principals, assistant principals, uh, administrative staff at central office, just about everybody uh, within the school system was trying to fill these classrooms when uh, substitute teachers ran out, and there still were not enough, at least based on what we heard at the school board meetings least recently, enough substitute teachers to handle all the classrooms that needed to be filled. Do you think, the, based on what you've heard so far, that uh, the school system has made some progress in the substitute teacher area, which was largely given as the reason to go all virtual this this most recent time. 
you hit on a great point. That's exactly why I think they went virtual this time around. And so a lot of people were very, very frustrated and upset because um, of going virtual. I look at it as a great reset button. It's like, let's go, let's reset. It's not what I wanted to see going into the holidays, but at the same time, you can't make changes of the past. You can only do things going forward. So now we've had a great reset. Um, people are, are hopefully practicing healthy behaviors and, you know, doing what's best for them and their family. Cause that's quite frankly, you know, America, we get to do what's best for our, our families. But I think as a whole, everybody wants to be safe and healthy. So going in January 13th and coming back to the school, um, we will have to face those hurdles of, um, uh, the teachers and substitutes, but I think they've been training them. They've been getting them going. And I've been a substitute for, you know, 10 years, the last two years, I, I have not. But, um, and what I've heard from other subs is they're ready to go. And I know we have to look at some statistics and look at some paperwork, but I'm hearing very positive of being ready with our um, staff and teachers and subs ready to go. And, and I'd like to remain positive and focus on going forward. Hate to bring you uh, go from one bad news uh, item to another, but unfortunately, <laughs> the next one is the budget, and yes. the Indiana General Assembly is in, is in its budget session or will be in just a few days. Uh, every two years, they decide the uh, the state's spending plan for the two year period in this session, beginning July one of of twenty twenty one. Uh, the school district currently has a budget cutting committee and internal committee tasked with trimming the school budget for the 2021-22 school year uh, by $5 million. Um, they're working on that now. They'll have uh, recommendations in coming months and, and updates to the school board during that time as well. My question to you is just do your best uh, to explain your views as a new school board member on the budget situation for HSC schools. Well, sure. Okay. So the budget, I am not going to sit here and tell you I'm an expert in, in the budget, especially school board funding and budget information. But what I can tell you is in my experience in real estate, I know profit and loss, right? So um, looking at numbers, the thing is we were very blessed, uh, myself, Sarah and Sarah, the two elects that are coming in and to receive um, a bunch of, I think it's 34, 35 page uh, information of financials. Um, I've already reached out to the schools and said, okay, I'd like to research this a little bit more this week. So I have some meetings set up this week to go over it a little bit more and more in depth. Um, bottom line is we do have to cut somewhere. Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, you know, I can't say where that is and what it is at this point until I get a little bit more explanation on the different columns that are that are there on the budget report. Um, but I do know that um, we are in a unique situation. And, you know, we have, I, I, I listened to Sarah Donsbach talk the other day on her podcast, and she put, brings up a very valuable point about what happens this coming fall when some of those first graders and kindergartners come back to our school. Um, I, I have to say, I, I really think that we're, part of that small group, many of our schools in our community in an area all went to school. They all had in-person schooling. So they didn't have the cut of as much lower numbers as we did. So when we look at the legislation and we look at the people around the state that have to see those numbers and say, what are you talking about? You know, you're the only ones that really lost your students. Most everybody did not. I mean, they had some that went out of their schools for when they were virtual, but HSC is probably going to have to find 
a way to come up with those funds to to or cuts or whatever it is to to make it work because unfortunately we were the one school that lost a lot of students and a lot of kids because we were not opening virtually and or excuse me we were not opening in person now most of our stats are showing us it might just be kindergartners and first graders and if that's the case then yes we got to find a way to get the funding for those kids coming in for the next two years I'm going to get to that uh, in a moment, a little more on that. But uh, before I do that, I want to uh, discuss uh, the fact that uh, you will be on the board as the board will be making a decision on a new superintendent. Our current school superintendent, Alan Borf, has announced his intention to retire at the end of uh, June of 2021 to see uh, the district through the school year. A search is already underway for a successor. So my question to you is, what qualities do you want to see in a new superintendent as you evaluate that process? Well, you know, I, I, I definitely think it's a two-way street. Not only are we out there surveying and interviewing a superintendent, but quite frankly, that superintendent is going to be interviewing us and looking at us as a school district and as a board. So I definitely see some very intelligent people of seven on this school board and you had mentioned um, a, a new school board. And I know that we've got some great minds and some great personalities that I think showing our um, working together and um, helping our students is going to be very important for um, a superintendent coming in. But in his or her um, you know, criteria, if you will, great leadership and student-centered is, is very important to me. Um, somebody who is financially um, understanding of financials and budget and referendum, knowing that that's coming up. I'd really like to see someone with great vision and strategic thinker, a problem solver, and someone that's not afraid to execute efficiently. Um, I also think that um, it's very important to have uh, someone who is understanding equity, equality, diversity, inclusion, that is so important. I think what we've lost along the way is having that that great attribute in our school district. It also needs to be partnered with a strong education and academics. And I think it's becoming such a forefront that we're losing some of our goals um, for our, our students to succeed at a higher level. Now, you know, what that looks like, I don't know going forward, but I think it's so important that equity, equality, and diversity and inclusion is involved in our school district. Um, but I also think it should be partnered with, right alongside with, a strong education and academics. Yeah, I think the uh, the data so far shows that the students who are, or the parents are keeping their students out of school are mostly kindergartners, some first graders. We don't know that for sure, but there's some data on that, and I guess we'll find out in the next year or two whether that's the case. That's right. Um, I want to, you kind of touched on this and this whole demo, this whole idea of demographics and student population. I want to d touch on that because the Deer Creek Elementary School just recently got its name, will soon be under construction. It replaces the Durban Elementary, which could not be enlarged due to the sewage and water not being available at the, uh, uh, the hookups available at that building, so they couldn't. Uh, the school system could not in, uh, enlarge that building and have more students put in there. I think the building is still going to be used by the school corporation, but it will not be a school. But looking at the demographic projections from the demographer that school system has used for many years, 
the indication was very interesting because uh, the last report showed the student population is going to level off in coming years, but there'll be some bulges in, in some grade levels, lowering in other grade levels. And the other part of the demographic report that I found interesting is that because of the way the school system began and has grown, that there may be more buildings on the west side of the district than we need and not enough on the east side. So, again, Deer Creek Elementary being part of that addressing uh, the, the east side. So demographics, where the buildings are, where the students are, that's all going to be an issue. Um, I'm curious how you approach that whole issue of demographics and student population as you enter the school board. Well, you know what, that's, that's good comments that you make there. So I personally, if I was to relook at it, and again, I wasn't on the school board and I wasn't part of the planning years ago, but what um, I am part is as a realtor and knowing the growth in the community and, and what's happening with resales and homes and, and land value, et cetera, um, I personally would have liked to see uh, a new elementary going up more so on the southeast side of Fishers down in the Fall Creek area. Southeastern did a fantastic job opening, but it overloaded so quickly. And the growth that we have in Fall Creek Township and kind of keep our tax funds and, and funding and things that we have going into Fishers instead of going into Noblesville. However, it is factual that it is growing out there in Wayne Township. So having a school out there that will function and fill and feed for many of the growth of the homes that are being built um, is, is, is very promising. I just think over time, parents need to um, educate themselves and be aware that there will be some redistricting. Do we love it? No. But as a parent with four kids and being here for 24 years, um, we've been through redistricting several times firsthand. And I have three adult children that are living successful lives that kids will adapt to change. I'm not saying that that's okay for every family. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to belittle someone who has a concern about staying in a, in a certain school or having a love for a principal or teachers. That, that is all. We had a slight freeze up here. I don't know. We'll get... Uh... We'll get Suzanne back here in just a moment. We're waiting here. I think we may have... Uh... Keep an open mind. Okay, I just want to let you know, Suzanne, that you froze up on us for about 20 seconds. So whatever you just said, you need to repeat that. Oh, goodness, and it was wonderful. <laughs> I'm sure I missed something very good, but I'm going to have to ask you to repeat it just for your own sake. So go ahead. Okay, thank you. I was basically what I was telling, saying is that parents need to be aware and help to educate themselves that it's so important to understand that with the growth of a community, there's going to be redistricting. And I firsthand, having been in the school district for you know many, many years and have four, uh, four children, my three adult children have lived through uh, a few redistricting. And so we've been through it firsthand. I know how it works firsthand. And it is you know, like I said, I have three successful children that adapted to it. It's not the, the best thing in the world, but at the same time, if, if you look at the bigger picture, it's, it's much better for a student to have a smaller class size or a class that's not overwhelmed with an overload of students that redistricting in the long run is, is very promising. Now, I'm not saying that for all parents and all students. I mean, they have the love of a certain principal or a certain teacher, and I know they want to stay in a school, and we're going to probably do our best to keep the lines as close to where they currently are as possible. 
But um, building that new school, um, the growth in fishers on the east side, both the northeast and southeast, we are going to have to do some redistricting. Do we love it? No. But at the same time, it's all Hamilton Southeastern schools. So we'd like to believe that they're no matter which elementary that a student would go to, um, they're still getting top-notch education. And yes, that affects some of the intermediate, junior high and high school as well. But for the most part, I, see, I think you'll see it more so on the elementary. I mean, a point a lot of people don't think about. They think of HSC schools as a Fisher's school district, which it is. It takes in the entire city of Fisher's and outlying areas. One of the outlying area there would be Wayne Township. And as you mentioned, Noblesville is starting to move into Wayne Township. So even though there is a Noblesville school system, some of those people in the city of Noblesville, the future, are going to be going to HSC schools, which will be a dizzying thing for people. And as a real estate agent, I'm sure you know that that's a... That's a point you make, you know, which school system are you going to have in a particular neighborhood you, you might choose or, or build in? Um, That's correct. Uh, you've kind of alluded to this a couple of times, but I want to uh, ask specifically about it. Uh, you are quite aware, I'm sure, as most everybody sure. is, that there was quite a well-publicized debate about the school's non-discrimination policy. Uh, policy was decided upon yeah. after a couple of votes and a lot of public input. My question to you is, do you believe that the policy language as it is currently written is sufficient or should the board take a look at that again? Should it be left alone or or should the board look and see if you're where you need to be? Well, um, I currently think as is, it is just fine. I don't think we need to, you know, dig in any deeper into any more areas of it. I think they handled it and went through uh, it in such um, detail before. And I think when they came to a conclusion, they have it where it needs to be. And I think right now we just need to um, focus on our well-being of all students and um, definitely focus on non-discrimination and and taking over our well-being of our students, getting them through school. Okay, so you, you believe that keeping it as is would be the best way to handle it at this point then? If I'm at hearing this you point, correct. yes. Okay, very good. Yes. You know, when Casey did the interview with you during the campaign, you know, I, and, and I, I love the interviews that Izzy and Casey, because they asked a question of all the candidates I never would have thought to ask. Sure. What about the student voice? You know, and students obviously cannot vote in the election, which Izzy yeah. was very upset about. She really wanted to vote in the election. And she was sure. getting close to 18, but every now and then you'll find a senior who's 18 at election time, but it's most students cannot vote uh, in, yeah. in school board elections. And... I know you already you you mentioned before you have uh, three of yours who have graduated from HSC schools. You have one student, I believe, is a freshman uh, in high school right now, and, and I right. wonder uh, about this. Uh, and I'm not talking about your role as a school board member necessarily now, because I think you don't want to get too parochial there. But my question is more overall: when you had your students and your family in the school system, uh, yeah. did you listen to your your children about how things were going in the school system. Uh, did that have an impact on your view of the school system as a whole? Well, you know what, you bring a bring up a good point. So our schools to me in my heart is the place for education. It's the place where we learn our math, English, science, reading, writing, etc. And I think our teachers are, are are great role model as far as education goes. And we help to nourish 
or I should say nurture um, the, stu the student. We help to empower the student and we help to um, encourage and, and our teachers are, are huge, huge hearts with compassion. So when we have our kids in school, I think the focus is in, in on education, but there are times where the student will come up and say, why are we learning this? Or what am I doing here? And you asked me as a parent, but I'll say I was also a substitute teacher. So I see both sides going into the school. And I think the student voice is so important um, and, and so crucial to listen to uh, of what they need and, and what they uh, feel going forward. So, um, you know, the, the place for the school, like I said, is for teachers to educate and the parents to take care of the spiritual, moral, political guidance, if you will. I'm not saying that a teacher can't bring things up or talk about those things here and there in school, but I think it's a very fine line. And I think it's important to listen to our, our students on, on their comfortable level and um, how they feel things are going and how they feel, um, you know, the classes should be run and what books they should be reading or or um, or have a choice. I mean, I love that our teachers can think outside the box. I love that our teachers try to engage our students. I think that's so fantastic. I mean, it's been talked about as I'm a conservative and, you know, I am, but I, I will say that I am, if I wanted my kids in a parochial school, they would have been there. I love the melting pot of a public school. I love that our students get uh, a variety of input and education, but it's a fine line. And I think we just have to focus on the overall well-being of our students, let our teachers teach and let our parents raise the student and, and their children with the, their goals. And I, and I think we just have to be a little bit careful and, and make sure that, um, you know, lines are not necessarily being crossed. Yeah. You know, I went to school a long time ago, longer than I'd like to admit, but mm -hmm. I would say the best teachers I had, of course, certain things like math or, or rote learning, but uh, in terms of most of the teachers, the best teachers I had were the teachers that taught me how to think for myself. And That is so true. Yeah. I, I, I follow a famous quote a lot, and, um, and you know, it's an, an old proverb, but it's, you know, give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. And I think that is just so, so true in today's um, world. We tend to just get kids in or just show them this or, oh, oh, I'll take care. You know, you got to stop. You got to pause. You got to let that student think for themselves and make those decisions because it's going to last for a lifetime. If they don't know how to do it now, they're never going to figure it out. And, and unfortunately, as much as we don't like failure, failure is what makes somebody a success. And what do they say? You know, uh, Einstein only had to know how to to make the light bulb, you know, once. Was it Albert? Yeah. No, I think we're talking <laughs> about Thomas Edison there. Thomas Edison, oh my goodness. <laughs> Einstein was a little different, but that's okay. I know that I got the idea. That's fine. <laughs> Thomas Edison, that's right. You know, he only had to make it work one time, right? And so, I mean, that's how it is in today's world right now. And I think if we go back to some of these basics and incorporate them in our progressive moderate learning but remember some of the traditional lessons, I think it's so important in, in making an overall well-rounded well student. Well, Suzanne, I've asked several questions. I'm going to leave the last couple of minutes open for you. Anything you'd like to comment on or say that I did not get the chance to ask? Um, actually, you know, no, I'm just, I'm very excited about this role going forward. Um, I, I definitely plan to lead with an educated mind 
and, um, you know, good heart and, and focus on what's best for our students. And here's the thing, what's best for one is not necessarily be best for another. And I wish I could tell everybody out there that's listening right now that they're going to be 100% satisfied with every single decision. Unfortunately, um, in my life, uh, I've had the experience of working with compromise over the years, whether it's a buyer and a seller, a husband and wife, or partners purchasing to get to that closing table, people have to compromise. So sometimes you have to give a little bit to get a little bit. And I'm hoping that our parents um, who I've met throughout this journey and through my lifetime living in Fishers, we have a very smart community. We need to accept differences and we need to work together to to help our students, you know, go from kindergarten through graduation, because our goal is to make an overall well-wanted student that when they step out that door of HSC and Fishers High School, that they can balance a checkbook, they can socialize with the community, they can get a job, they can get go to a college, whatever it may be, but they're confident walking on two feet. And and I think as as a whole, if we work together and understand our differences and respect differences, we can also come together and compromise to to get things accomplished for our kids. So that's that's what I want people to know about me, that um, I'm passionate about moving forward and, and assisting our HSC schools over the next four years to have very successful students when they step out the door, not only educationally, but emotionally, mentally feeling sound. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. You're a real estate agent. I know how they work day and night every day, especially on the weekends. So you, uh, <laughs> car- carving out a little time for me was was kind of you to do that. And I, I certainly wish you and the other board members, as well as you, as you enter the board, you have very important jobs. But as I'll, one school board member pointed out to me when I was talking to him years ago, he said, "Just remember, I'm one of seven. And that, that's exactly true. And that kind of gets to your compromise. Uh, sometimes you don't get everything you want, and you have to work with other board members to, to get to a common goal. So it's good to hear you say okay. that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that as you move along. And I want to w- okay. thank you again for appearing and uh, I wish you well. And uh, once again, wish you and your family a very happy new year. Thank you for, for joining me today, Suzanne. Thank you, Larry. I greatly appreciate it. Happy New Year to you and uh, many cheers to all the HSC community. And to those of you listening, I wish you the same wish at the end of each podcast. I wish you to be safe and be kind.